0: And welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with our first end of year review pod. First of two, we've got a, uh, a great team of the season to unveil and the much coveted FPL Lounge player of the season. My name is Chris Hopkins and I'm joined by the severe in the Europa League to my severe in any other competition. It's Andy Case. Andy, they uh, they, they love that old Europa League or or even UEFA Cup. I think the first one they won was the UEFA Cup, I believe probably yeah yeah was that yeah. the middlesbrough middles play middlesbrough in the final
1: oh, i think it might have they definitely beat middlesbrough in a final whether that was their first one i think oh, so freddie canute
0: a yeah. doing doing the business which might be one of the most essex phrases i've ever said oh, freddie canute a doing the business
1: yeah i mean i think it's coincidence ultimately isn't it because that Freddie Canute a team has nothing to do with this alex teller's team of uh 2023 right yeah, alex
0: is that is that is that the moniker that you're going for is it the that's alex what i'm Tellez. going for yeah because i can't name any severe players so yeah, yeah uh... i mean jesus James navas is 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 in there he's still uh he's still going strong i think he won he might have even been in that how old would he have had to be to be in the 2006 team oh whats thats 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 that is that
1: is that is that is that implausible now. Eighteen years ago, I, think he might I guess have. it's. I guess it's not completely impossible. Look, anyway, the overriding point is they're not really connected. If you can find one player at a stretch, maybe, but they're not connected in any way other than that, right? So other than um,
0: just this, this, with weird kind of like
1: affinity
0: a that they have that they have with the competition, which you know is is interesting, nonetheless, isn't it? Um, yeah. So he was there, amazingly.
1: He Jesus was in Navas. that squad, was he?
0: He was, yeah. He got his... He was... Okay, yeah, 2006. So, yeah, what, 17 years ago? I think he's 37 now. So, yeah, very young, wow. Joseph Navas. I guess... Yeah. I mean, I, I think I messaged you this last night and it, I just... I, I found the ages of both teams quite confusing and that maybe it just speaks to either the intensity or, of the Premier League or, I guess both can be true here, the, the lack thereof in La Liga and... Serie A nowadays whereby these top teams are full of not just 30 plus year olds but like 35 plus year olds and they start and they contribute significantly and there are very few players that are like 25 and under um, yeah it just seems like a bit of an old old man's league now and I don't really know, what, know why and it's not that these players don't have quality but it must, just, it must be something to do with, with the pace or the fact that teams aren't maybe as, as as intense or doing sort of pressing quite in the same way that the English teams teams like to do now?
1: I mean, there's been hashtag narrative since the birth of time, really, about Serie A in particular, yeah. and, and it's like uh, lack of intensity and how sort of slow-paced it is, like 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and even to today, where you get the likes of Chris Smalling and Fikayo Tomori going there and people saying that they look better, ultimately, because the pace is slower, and even... <laughs> some media reports suggesting there might be as many as three Italian teams interested in Harry Maguire this summer for the very same reason because they think that ultimately his fundamentals of defending are okay and it's just like he won't need to worry about being on the turn and stuff because that won't happen in Serie A Um, and then in recent years there's you know the quality in La Liga has I guess in terms of strength and depth has never matched really the Premier League but has by some people's measure dropped off even in the last few years so um it means that you can get you can coast particularly the big teams can coast through a number of games in those leagues and another thing that adds to the narrative this year that i've heard a lot for example is casemiro never being sent off in spain in 10 12 years or whatever he was there for and having two straight reds already in his first year in the premier league um uh, yeah, that's that. That means you can be older and be Ivan Rakitic and captain Severe to a Europa League final. I mean, he still looks quality to me, but maybe that's
0: just me being a bit biased. He was definitely one of my sort of more favourite Barcelona players when when he was there. Didn't like him as much when he was scoring penalties against England at the World Cup, of course. But but yeah, I did I did, I did find it quite quite interesting. I'm sure the average age of um, both the teams that are playing in the FA Cup final this weekend they're going to be considerably younger than than the uh, Europa League final. But anyway, that's that's European competition, Andy. That's ultimately uh, irrelevant for this podcast where yeah as I said at the top we Andy and I do two end of year review pods uh, towards the end of or at the end of the FPL lounge season The first one's a bit more of a traditional uh, look through our teams of the year so we go position by position and the price bracket by price bracket to begin with picking our three players in a multitude of pretty straightforward categories and then we come together at the end uh, to look through our individual teams of a season And then finally, our joint FPL Lounge Player of the Season. And uh, yeah, I wonder who on earth, Andy, that might be this year. Who's going to take the crown off Human Son from last year um, and then our second pod which we will uh, be probably releasing at some point later next week um is a slightly more uh slightly more slightly more fun one in my view uh we've got some some fpl lounge awards much coveted fpl lounge awards to hand out beyond the player of the season things like uh disappointment of the season bargain of the season and my favorite award the john lundstrom newly promoted player of the year award which uh not sure who's going to be up for that one this year I Actually, know. I think I think I've got a good idea who might be winning that one. Might have made his way into Andy's team of the season as well. Um but let's uh let's start uh, at the top of the pitch, or maybe the bottom, depending on which way around your pitch is, uh, with best keeper of the season. Um, I guess the other disclaimer, Andy, at this stage is, you know, it would be very easy for us to run through um, you know, which players have scored the most points in each of these positions and in each of these price brackets, but that's not very fun. We've got to put our own FPL lounge slant on this, and and and, and keeper really a good place to start there because. Ultimately we don't like premium goalkeepers. We don't like goalkeepers really in FPL over five million. And therefore our teams of the season are gonna be, you know, biased a little I guess a little bit by how we play the game and who's had a good season for us or who's frustrated us. And I think that's kind of true here, where obviously between us we've got six goalkeepers. Um, yeah, there is some overlap, but only one is over four and a half million and uh, therefore I'll let you start.
1: Yeah, I mean it's I think a category I will come to this later when we get to the team of the season but a category I just cannot get excited about in fact there's a fair few of those this year I think there's a lot of players that have underwhelmed I think one of our awards is about biggest disappointments or whatever and beyond that just going to you every season um I my think... performance in uh who heck is that? basically <laughs> every yeah, year yeah, yeah or just in life in general yeah, right well, um... you didn't
0: have to stick the boot in quite as much <laughs> at the end there but yeah whatever
1: well, you know, the truth's the truth. Um, yeah, the, the 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 best keeper category or keepers generally, um, never mind, some other categories will come on to. There's going to be a lot of contenders, basically. I just, I can't really get excited. I think both the seasons we've done this previously, there's been someone who has stood out or has done, I think it was Pope in our first year, and it was Martinez last year. Um, and, and there was a, even a couple of other contenders. And this year, just no one really excites me. And I think this is the epitome of demonstrating why we don't put much sock in keepers because i think that yeah what there's like you say i think allison was the highest scoring keeper this year with 160 something points but there was loads in the 130s 120s and you know 20 or 30 points more over the course of the whole season is like nothing it's not really worth spending your extra money on frankly so it kind of just suggests to me that it's there's n- yeah, our our strategy is almost the right one here, really. So, so trying to think about the best, I mean, the the, the most the best value keeper this season, which which we've both kind of mentioned, is, is Raya at Brentford. They picked up a couple of more clean sheets towards the end of the season, which I think helped bump him up because I think halfway through the season we wouldn't have been looking anywhere near possibly a Brentford um, keeper. But I think his point when if if you're trying to not use that much money on a keeper to say he's been the best value one is something that works in his favor i think in the in in this instance right um there's 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 often a four point a 4.5 or this year even some 4.0s who've um kind of uh maybe not got the most amount of points but a way up there and even that's not quite um sort of materialised this year so Raya being a 4.5 I think he was starter yeah. um, is is kind of the the, be, the best of that bunch I mean we're going to go on to talk about others I think arguably uh, Danny Ward for the first half of the season was in a lot of people's teams and was a fantastic at, option at goalkeeper because he was 4.0 and started every game despite the fact Leicester weren't keeping loads of clean sheets and obviously Jason Steele towards the second half of the season but Um, Raya's been consistent and obviously played throughout the whole season. I think, yeah, that, that, that fact that his price per million is the best of any goalkeeper probably puts him up there in this chat.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting that we've both got Raya first, but neither of us have had him. I don't think I don't think I had him at all throughout the year. I don't think from you know what you've told me you did either. And I guess that that uh, you know as as you say, Andy, you know we we, we go into this when we do our FPL large long weekends, you know, when we, and we preview goalkeepers. We look for a keeper that is a set and forget. You don't use your transfer really on, on a goalkeeper unless your starting one is injured. Um, you know, you might change your, your keeper during your um during your cards and basically that's that's it really and obviously we got more wild card more wild cards this year than than ordin, ordinarily as well so um so yeah i i, I think that, that 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 says a lot you know we, we'd like to ideally go through a season with what th- owning three four keepers max generally um so so yeah them picking three for the purpose of this exercise feels feels a little bit tricky but yeah we both got raya first despite not really owning him um Kepper kind of next for for us both as well and then and then as you said, Jason Steele um last. I guess for Jason Steele, had he played the whole season, uh, he'd probably be top and comfortably in, in, in both, of our, both of our teams. And, and yeah, you know, Danny Ward was obviously the same price as Jason Steele at the start of the season, was was, was very popular um, you know, among the FPL lounge, but also in the game generally, but ultimately didn't have um, anywhere near as many clean sheets uh, as, as Jason Steele managed to get in, in his kind of second half of the season. So so yeah, and just a final point really on David Ryer. I think when, we, when there has been a very popular four and a half million pound goalkeeper that's been above and done a complete, really exceeded expectations, Martinez being the example, I think a couple of years ago, their price rises so significantly that they almost no longer become a four and a half million pound goalkeeper. I think David Raya finished the season with 4.6 million and that kind of says a lot, really. There were so many other options and yes, again, there will be less price fluctuation for, among goalkeepers because the transfers aren't used on them that frequently. But um, but yeah, I think that, that kind of speaks to the fact that there are a lot that were much of a muchness this year um, and and yeah, very little to, to separate between them. Um, Let's move on to our best premium defender category, which for the purpose of this is a defenders that started at five and a half million or more. And um, this is a very difficult one. I think had, you, had we known at the start of the season that we'd be really scratching our heads to include anyone in this category, we probably wouldn't have gone so hot on being big at the back at the start of the year. I think we were both very keen on Cancelo and Trent, um, and obviously you've got Andy Robertson and uh, Virgil van Dijk and, and, and Chelsea's wing-backs too, maybe, maybe even Ruben Dias in this category. But none of them really stood out this year. I mean, I have put Trent on there as kind of a token nod. I think he obviously ended the season very strongly. I think there was nine returns in his sort of final 10 games, but the majority of them were assists. And ultimately, when we couldn't rely on Liverpool keeping clean sheets, a £7.5 million defender was not the way that many players would want to go. But, yeah, from the premium defender point of view, a really, really
1: disappointing season. Yeah, massively disappointing. And to be honest, I don't think even Trent really is not... I couldn't even muster him to put on there. I think um, we'd have been, like you said, very surprised at the start of this year to to have known that there was we were going to not put anyone in this category, potentially. I think, yeah, we had Cancelo on our hands, James... Chilwell, Robertson, Trent, all of whom have had fantastic points totals in previous years, and so for all of them to so spectacularly fall off the cliff for various different reasons, I think, um, yeah, is 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 a surprise. I think it's going to be very interesting. Apparently, Cancelo is is obviously up for up for sale, and Arsenal are are interested. If he stays in the Premier League and therefore stays in FPL um and would potentially be i guess a bit cheaper next season I, I suppose you'd have that argument of can uh arteta or whoever he goes to use him in this in as well as pep used to um maybe maybe not but uh the, the, we could you could have a a pretty good point scorer back on your hands there with reese james it just looks like he's a sick note for the whole of his career now at this point as as is ben chilwell and so trips isn't getting any younger maybe you'll you'll he'll move into the premium category next year but you you kind of just look at this and start to kind of go actually in seasons going forward where is this premium def- defender category kind of go, gonna go
0: yeah i mean premium defender again it kind of feels a bit of a i, I guess it's difficult because you know the, the prices are so bunched anyway but but for the purposes of this we say premium defenders are five and a half million <clears throat> plus and you know let's move on then to our middle ground defenders that, that are purely Their starting price is 5 million and only 5 million we've both got Kieran Trippier top we've both got Luke Shaw second there I mean both are likely to start the next season you would think at five and a half million or above therefore be premium assets but Trent at seven and a half I think at the start of this year and 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 Robbo I guess at seven and even even sort of Chilwell and and James possibly at six six and a half they feel in a different category even to I guess Luke Shaw is going to start at five and a half, and he would be. I mean, would you still consider him value? I, I know that you're a United defense skeptic, um, but you know they've kept. He's got enough points this year to probably warrant being around the five and a half million pound price mark next year. He still feels like it could be value for me at that price point compared to some of some
1: of the others. What well, Luke Shaw? Yeah, I mean, 124 points this season. He's had some injury problems this year, though, hasn't he? well yeah true not major ones but he's been out for a bit at points yeah five and a half it would feel too much to me i I mean i think i still can't be confident of man united clean sheets yet um five and a half's too much i I mean fixtures will play a part of it right if united have a great run at the start of the season more people will be thinking about sure um or or united defender frankly but um yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think he, he makes it on there because he's been pretty consistent in this season. United, despite not being fantastic, have kept more clean sheets than anyone else somehow. I mean, I've, I've no idea how that's ended up happening. Um, he's had the odd assist. And other than a few injuries here and there, not like ones that have kept him out for months, he's been fairly consistent, hasn't he? So, so would I pay 5.5 million for him next season? Can't say I would. Is he worthy of being on this list? Yes. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I've got Gabrielle in my, in my third slot. Andy Andy doesn't have anyone there.
0: I think just with Gabrielle, I think there were probably there was a cheaper way into Arsenal defence, and that you know, we'll come on to that. But I think if you are looking for a set and forget defender on 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 day one of your fantasy season, then there would have definitely been worse places to go. And therefore, I think he does. Warrant some inclusion but at the same time let's move on to our best budget defender category and that's uh, defenders that started the season at four to four and a half million and both of us have Ben White I've got him first uh, of my three you've got him second Andy and I guess that made us not very bullish on Gabriel throughout the year because Ben White was getting the same amount of clean sheet points and in the end actually some attacking potential too and was half a million cheaper pretty much the whole season.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can understand why you'd put Gabriel in there for that reason. But yeah, being Ben White was the go to um Arsenal uh defender, wasn't he? I think even at points if you wanted another one or if White wasn't available, even then Zinchenko was the same price, um, and was obviously getting forward a lot and, and, and was starting at that time, so uh, sort of in the earlier half of the season. So yeah, even then Gabriel wasn't gonna look him. But I think I think um we we, we Rather than like going through the season chronologically, we try to do these end of year, like end of season shows um, with a theme to them here, like, you know, player of the season, team of the season to to kind of give it a bit more structure. And I think whilst White hasn't been fantastic throughout the whole year, I think at 4.5 in a team that came second in the league kept a reasonable number of clean sheets. Like you say, he got forward a bit. Um, There were points in the season where he was looking better than, you know, if you're listening to this, you know, in June, 2023, you might not be thinking Ben White is one of the best, defenders around recently and that's pos- probably fair enough but in the in the you know earlier in the season there was plenty who were who were kind of um who were on him and, and, and Arsenal were playing well. I do want to go back a step just briefly and have my own little word on Trips and just say he's been incredible this season. What a great value at five mil. And But I'm flagging it up now and we're going to do our long weekend, of course, as we always do. But I think Trips is a big... Newcastle and Brighton in particular, I'm looking at as big traps ahead of next season generally. And Trips is one of the bigger ones because he'll go up to at least six mil. Newcastle will be in the Champions League. Uh, maybe they'll get a bit more depth. They might have to rotate. He's not getting any younger. I mean, so far he look, he he's looked, you know, athletically st- strong, injury wise, not a, a problem. He's he plays most of the minutes, but I just think, yeah, that it you're going to have to weigh up whether he's worth six mil at the start of next season based on its own merits. Don't get sucked into it by what's happened this season.
0: Yeah, I think that's completely true, and
1: and yeah,
0: Andy in particular is is, is very hot on. Um, you know teams falling away if, if they've got to balance Europe and they're not used to it and I think that that, that does make Newcastle, Brighton and I guess Aston Villa um, prime candidates for for that and yeah I think that's a, a, a great point to make on Trippier. I mean we weren't convinced by him at the start of the season were at five million but he quickly shut us up but I think at six it's a, it's a completely different ball game particularly when they've got Champions League to balance as
1: well. I mean uh, I mean look at you know, to take there's loads of examples if I bothered to think about it. But one off the top of my head is just Jarrod Bowen. I remember this show last year. Neither of us could say enough highly about him, and he's barely featured at all in in FPL this season or in the Premier League, frankly. Um, yeah, he's uh, he. He was I think started 8.5, was it? He started this season, at, and I I, has he, I don't think he's actually I don't I can't even think he was, if his name has been mentioned once on the radar at any point this season. And so part of that is Europe, but it's not just Europe. It's that it's that West Ham had way overperformed last year, and they've way underperformed this year, and that goes for him too. And and that that can happen, basically, right? Like, don't you know? Um, you you can't just expect that someone's going to carry that that form over season yeah. to season.
0: Yeah, agree, agree. I kind of I would kind of back trips to more, I guess, individually perform more than maybe I would bow in season on season, but but yeah that's a debate we can definitely have have another day. Um so yeah Ben White in our, in our budget category and we've both also got Purvis, Esther Estepinan again that we've just got them flipped flipped, flipped round andy has got him top I've got him second I think are definitely times, Andy where he's been probably the best value defender in the game quite considerate quite comfortably you know, obviously he's got great attacking threat and Brighton have been um or have had have had at some points this season. You know, been, been been looking pretty safe at the back, and and yeah, I think his, he was getting assists, but he even started to get goals towards the end of the season as well. And then we both round our lists off with uh, with Newcastle centre backs. Uh, you've gone to Botman, I've gone Fabian Share. I guess um, related to, to to the Gabriel pick. I guess in general we don't play the game by too much stock in centre backs ultimately, and 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 yes, they might get attacking returns, but they're from corners, they're low XG opportunities, and things like that. Cher has had a ridiculous XG pretty much all season, and I don't think he scored. And I think that's possibly the justification why we don't put much stock in centre backs, and, and and their attacking threat. And we'd much rather go for full-backs that they get forward more and can create and can can get assists rather than uh, defenders that are, good, that are good in the opposition box um, from a
1: corner or a set piece or something like that yeah exactly I mean something I hadn't I guess neither of us I don't think particularly consider when we're picking between players so much is 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 bonus points and I I know this very comparison is one that I've experienced recently because I I brought in a a second Newcastle defender for the run in, and I went sharp because it was exactly like you say the goal threat but then as it's turned out Botman's ended up getting more bonus points and I think just because of like the essentially the passes he completes from the from the back uh from what I can tell that's that's moved him up there like Luke Shaw when he used to play at centre-back and, and, and it just feels a bit like, yeah, in a world where Andy Case rules FPL, I think bonus points are no longer a thing. They're just getting deleted because there doesn't seem to be a meaningful footballing reason why Botman's getting bonus points over Shaw.
0: Feels like a, uh, a separate pod, really. Andy Case rules FPL. What changes would he make? I think that would be a very interesting one for for the
1: off season. No, no well. one needs to hear that, though, do they? they? They get enough rants from me throughout the season. Can you imagine if Andy ruled the laws of the game? If if Andy ruled refereeing, like well, Andy thinks he rules it all already, doesn't he? So I definitely don't. It wouldn't be in this sorry state if I did, i tell you that.
2: <laughs>
0: here we go. Here we go. Well, great stuff. I mean, um, what we'll do now is we'll take a quick break. And then when we come back, uh, Andy can tell you all about that? No. Uh, when we come back, we will start, we'll start. We'll carry on with our, uh, with our first end of season review. And we'll carry on by doing midfielders and forwards.
2: Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. You can join in the conversation on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore Lounge. We will preview every game week throughout the season, exploring options for your chips and transfers. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods so that you have all the information you need before the game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge.
0: Welcome back then, so Andy uh, let's crack on with our review of the season and let's start with uh, premium midfielders Andy and you have, I'm just looking at our sheet here, oh yeah you've declined to fill this one in because that's the kind of stubborn stubborn man that you are Um, but in that case Andy, I mean it's going to be pretty self explanatory but let's explain the reasons
1: why you have neglected to play ball on this podcast Yeah well I mean I haven't, you know, there's no neglect. Uh, there's no stubbornness. I just don't think anyone, what what premium midfielder has deserved any kind of plaudits here. I, I don't think any of them have, uh, like, you could, like you said at the start, you could go down and say, which ones have got the most points. Okay, great. But they cost a lot of money. Um, and I don't think any of them have really performed to the point where they deserve to be kind of named in any kind of, um award or or chat here i suppose we can review the season without giving any of them props in saying that none of them really performed okay their... right
0: but okay so so in order to give this show some structure we decided on this a couple of seasons ago and you have said that actually you know what none of these players deserve my uh me to arbitrarily place them in in this category um And I'm going to refuse to do it um, despite needing, you know, despite respecting the
1: fact that the show does need some structure. And you think that that isn't stubbornness. No, 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 no. I didn't refuse to do it. I chose, I actively chose not to put any people in there. That's a different thing. (laughs) I didn't think there should be people there but refused to do it on principle. I don't think there should be any people there. So that that that's a different thing altogether.
0: Mm, yeah, I'm not not convinced not convinced about your argument here, but any, but anyway, I
1: guess. Well, I can't but, account for your stupidity but, and lack uh, of understanding. So, I mean, again, bit
0: bit bit more stubbornness. Yeah, uh, yeah, again, but I mean, ultimately, the point stands in terms of you know reviewing the season. Premium midfielders have been quite disappointing. This is despite the fact that on game week thirty eight we were both absolutely scrambling to find some way to get Mo Mohammed's salary. And then you know, obviously, you know, game week thirty-eight does not make an entire season. Um, let's talk about him very quickly because you know, we I'm pretty sure we both started the season with him. Um got very frustrated in what game week two or three when they uh Liverpool beat Bournemouth nine-nil and there were 18 opportunities for attacking returns and he got absolutely zero. Um, got an XG of one point something or other against Southampton in game week 38 and man- managed just one assist in a 4-4 draw. Um, feels like a bit of an FPL troll for us this year, and 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 but still has got a pretty good points total. Yes, not maybe um, reflecting his his value, but I think he was the highest scoring midfielder in the game. Um, I guess there were just other places to put your funds this year. I mean, but had, you know, had we foreseen... Um, how he perhaps ended the season, I'm, guess, I'm guessing kind of sort of game week 30 onwards, maybe would have done a bit more to to try and get him in to, to our own teams?
1: Well, in fairness, I think he was on the radar at the start of and slightly before his streak to, began at the end of the season because we'd noticed Liverpool playing better and his underlying numbers like improving. Uh, you and I personally... Couldn't really get to him without getting rid of Kane, which we didn't want to do. Felt like a lot um, of penalties as well. I guess his his underlings at that point. A couple of them were,
0: yeah. But yeah, then they um,
1: continued to get them. So yeah. You
2: know, so I mean, I mean if
0: it's reliable, isn't he? So
1: if his final ten game weeks had been, you know, like that throughout the whole of the season, he'd absolutely deserved to be up there. And the thing is, his points return isn't actually that bad at the end of it, two hundred and thirty four. Albeit, you know, he it's it's not. It's that's relatively low for him, and particularly when he was like the highest price he's ever been. I think it was it did he start at 13 this season? He did, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a lot of money to be, but particularly when you've got two other fantastic premium assets like Kane and Harland around, it's a lot of money to be investing. Um, yeah, when when uh, the, the, the performances aren't there, so um, yeah, I mean. Look, we both of us were would if we'd had the money and the space, and our teams would have happily brought him in towards the end of the season, and and uh, we you know, hence why, like I say, why he was on the radar. Um, but I don't think over the course of the season he did enough to justify the money you'd have had to have invested in him, and, and hence why I, 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 you know, haven't put him on there. Uh, not
0: that many premium midfielders actually in in the game really this this year, and obviously Son. Um, has, has had a particularly disappointing season. I guess Kevin De Bruyne is is what it is at the, at this point in FPL. It feels unlikely that he's ever going to be um particularly cheap, but it's always going to be minutes and rotation that's 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 gonna um you know hamper his his FPL potential. Um Bruno could be an interesting one going into next year, Andy. I think he was I think you told me he was ten million at the start of the season, ultimately ended up dropping down to about nine and a half towards the end. I mean nine and a half feels pretty good value for someone with his potential output but um as you will have said you know during during the season it's it's the players around bruno that can sometimes limit his upside because ultimately he's not getting the assist that perhaps he should be getting because united's finishing isn't all that good for my health
1: for your ears for the ears of all of our listeners um probably throughout the whole existence of this podcast I I hope and pray that Bruno Fernandez will not be supplying assists to Anthony Martial again next season and if that's the case and he's providing them for someone you know I ideally hope slightly better um then who knows what what might happen the sky's potentially the limit um he his underlying numbers have been fantastic this season I think no one in I read various stats which this may be wrong or misleading but I think what I read was no one in Europe's top five leagues have created more chances than Bruno Fernandes this season I think he'd created something like 16 xa this season that might have been across all competitions and only had eight assists for that to show for that Um, Yeah, I think it's plainly obvious to anyone who watches football, let alone looks at the data. of the Man United need need a number nine. And and yeah, like you say, next season, maybe. I mean, if if this was based on on underlying numbers, I think Fernandes would would deserve almost a place on on here. But in terms of our output, probably not this season. Uh, Let's
0: move uh, down in price category to our middle ground midfielder. These started the season between seven and £9 million, and I think for a couple of years in, in a row now, there's been a, a lot of £8 million-pounds-priced FPL midfielders. Um, relatively underwhelming in this category again, Andy. And I guess Bukai Saka is the one that stands out. I think he would probably be top um, for us. Uh, definitely helped by penalties, and, and has definitely been streaky at points this year. Also, I guess where he falls down a little bit is that there were very high point scorers in Arsenal's midfield that were considerably cheaper than him throughout the season. And, and yes, although he was on penalties and, and that helped in terms of sheer output and sheer points at, at the end of it, I think he was if below, if not in the same ballpark as Gabriel Martinelli or Martin Odegaard and was always significantly more expensive. It, it feels like you Riyad Mahrez, your Phil Foden's, uh, I guess Jared Bowen was in that category, Mason Mount too pretty underwhelming all round, So, but we have included James Madison on here um, in ours. I guess this is once again going to be a a, a number of points thing, because I don't think either of us would be particularly keen on having Madison in in our teams. I know that you did towards the end of the season, but probably more down to Leicester's fixtures and, 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 and them having doubles rather than particularly believing in Madison, but also at that point... I feel like because a lot of the midfielders that were in teams were under six and a half million starting price, and even, even Harry Kane was not as expensive as he had been, and Harlan's starting price wasn't huge either. It allowed um, for you to maybe go for Madison because you had the funds when previously you know you, you might have had to, had to go for a Harvey Barnes or, or, or even a cheaper option
1: yeah i mean i think for madison this year there was a bit more underlying numbers there weirdly even though Leicester as a team weren't getting the results and he had a few a couple of streaks which were preceded by good underlying numbers which helped for getting him in your team at the at the right time so that definitely like benefited me um a, a couple of points which which is useful i mean his overall output not not huge ultimately as it stands a a championship player now as well so whether we'll see him in fpl next season or not at this point we don't know albeit it might seem quite quite likely linked with a number of clubs um uh, but but yeah i mean saka uh, i think ultimately is in in this category is that is the standout one i mean we, we had a long debate at the start of the season kulusevsky diaz bowen foden loads of them here about who would who would be the one or who if any of them would be the one to go for and i don't think either of us were that high on on Saka necessarily and I think part of that was because we knew because we were both quite hot on Martinelli and, and he's obviously like a cheaper alternative in that Arsenal midfield there but yeah bottom line is 196 points for Saka another another good season for him his stock kind of continues to rise year on year and he, as he gets more and more kind of consistent still only 21-22 just signed a, a new uh, big money I think five-year contract with, with Arsenal so um, yeah, I think th- I don't think there's anyone that can come close to um, what he's done in this seat in this price bracket uh, this season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've got Jack Grealish rounding mine off, but I think that was
0: more of a, a sort of Almi andy shaking his head, which, which which is fine. Andy's entitled to shake his head. He, again, he's refused to fill out a third player, so you know, that's his prerogative. But yeah, I've I've I've, I've had Grealish at times, and I think you know he he has been streaky, but uh, you know, on the eye he's been pretty been pretty class all year. But you know, on the eye does not always make an FPL asset. Uh, let's round off then Andy our midfielders with best budget midfielder and we absolutely could have filled this category about you know, three times over. Um, midfielders priced between four and a half million and six and a half million. and Both of us have got Marcus Rashford top of that list. And how could you not, frankly, uh, starting the season at six and a half million just feels in hindsight criminally underpriced. And I'm sure he will not be that price again next year. Not only playing through the middle, but he's hit an an absolute hot streak uh, in terms of goals this year and has just got back to his best. Um, Gabriel Martinelli and Martin Odegaard, I guess you can kind of group together uh, in terms of Arsenal assets that have performed very, very well um, Marcelini maybe with more underlying numbers. Odegaard tending to to score sort of low xG chances, but both have absolutely found the back of the net quite a lot this year. And then uh, and then yeah, our final picks are a little bit different. You've gone for Andreas Pereira at Fulham, who I think was in a lot of game week one teams, and I've gone for Kairo Matoma. Um, yeah, it would be really interesting to see where Matoma had, had had ended if his sort of season hadn't started at game week fourteen quite in the way it did uh, under 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 Deserbi. But, yeah, I
1: mean, on the eye, again, what a player. Yeah, I mean, looks looks decent on the eye. I think um, Andreas Pereira is like an FPL gift. I think you can't... To, to have a 4.5 million midfielder to be at, playing as a number 10, start, a nailed-on starter in a team that ended up... The thing at the start of the season, we weren't sure, obviously, what we were going to get out of Fulham. They ended up being quite an attacking, quite creative team. And, yeah not many not many midfielders ended up having more assists than him over over the course of the season i mean de bruyne is way out but behind de bruyne there's there's quite a pool really of of, of players on similar numbers when it comes to assist so um yeah I, I i think at his price i just this given that this is the budget midfielder category I had to chat, had to talk about him yeah I, and i guess just to support what you have said on rashford and martinelli nodegaard and really i think martinelli uh, we, we both have liked for a couple of years now and there was one point where it was like 4.5 billion and he would often appear on the radar between between you and I, it was just minutes wasn't it and he's got more of those this season and, and he's delivered, I think both of those have the potential to be traps next season as well um, they're both going to probably, in terms of Martinelli and Odegaard, going to significantly increase in price, Arsenal are going to have Champions League um, there's going to be a bit more rotation in the sense of Trossard's in, in the squad now smith Rose come back Fitness. Reece Nelson signing a new deal. Not necessarily that I don't think Odegaard's got to be worried necessarily about Reece Nelson taking his place, but it's it's depth there, isn't it? And there's more games and to play. So
0: I think um, Martinelli
1: in particular, with Trossard
0: breathing down his neck, is the one to be to be yeah. particularly wary of. I think, and also I can start kind of see because he's a wide forward, I can see his price increasing more than Odegaard's. I wonder if Odegaard would maybe be be depending on what you know everyone else's price. I wonder if Odegaard might be worth um thinking about if he's affordable enough next year. But yeah, I can see Martinelli. I can I can see us being very put off Martinelli's price pretty quickly next year. I feel like his um his stock has him, has him has it, you know increased to the point that we'll we'll almost dismiss him as a fantasy option going forward. But we could be yeah, I rough. think
1: a more interesting one will be Rashford because he has the potential to continue, you know, you never know what's gonna happen with form, but he in theory has the potential to continue to be as good as he has been, or, albeit not play as, through the middle as much, potentially, if United do sign a proper centre-forward. Um, and depending... I mean, you can't necessarily expect the output that he's had this year, but if he if he sort of... Uh, would they go as bonkers as going, like, 2 mil? That's, that would be quite a big increase, right? I could see it. You could see it, but I think if he's, if he's 8 or 7.5 mil, he's still a pretty good steal at that point. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just gonna have a quick look at at his previous starting prices. I mean, he's been nine and a half million before, twice, and eight and a half before that. I mean, I don't think he'll go quite up to nine and a half million, but it could go high, couldn't it? I I think. Mm. And I, I guess once upon a day, he would have been classified as a forward as well, but that's not the case anymore. So I can't see that being changed. But but yeah, we will we will have to have to wait and see. Um, let's move on to best premium forward, Andy. Uh, and actually, there weren't that many of these in the game, but this was probably the easiest category for us to us to sort out. And and obviously, we've got Erling Haaland first and Harry Kane second. Um, probably going to have time to talk about these two later, Andy. But I will give you opportunity now just to uh, just, just to. I mean, I think we've said it enough actually on the pod this year, but no harm in doing it one more time. Um, just giving Harry Kane his flowers. He's had a ridiculously good season and it perhaps hasn't flown under the radar but it has definitely been overshadowed and and, and it's a bit of a shame because he's really proven how a great a footballer he is but also be how great an FPL asset he is once
1: again this season I mean yeah he absolutely has it certainly wasn't flying under the FPL lounges radar because we were on I really strongly feel we we're ahead of the curve on that and we've got the audio evidence dates <laughs> down to prove it um it yeah, I, I think he uh, the, the the greatness of Haaland this season has has slightly over, overshadowed him. But 30 goals in a season, that I mean, that would, in any other year, he'd be getting, he's getting a bit more praise now towards the end of the season that people are cottoning on to it. But, you know, the, the scoring rate was the same earlier in the year. And I think we were also on the fact that, I think he broke a record, did, didn't he, this year, of um, he scored in 26 different Games, which is a new Premier League record, um, which um, again we were we were on when we were hit type, you know, tipping him up earlier in the season, saying that he he's not getting loads of hauls, but he's also rarely blanking. He, he he's just so consistent, getting like a goal per game type thing. So, um, I mean, thirty goals in a, in a Premier League season. There are very few people who've ever done that. Frankly, you go back through history that it it hasn't actually happened that often. So. For him to do that this year and by the way get more points than when we did name him the fpl lounge player of the season a couple of years ago i think you know the the the, the history making level of both those two stats demonstrates how good a season it's been for him
0: yeah absolutely um yeah 30 30 goals this year but only seven double digit hauls in fpl which is which is yeah rare I guess in some respects and 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 one of those double digit hauls was, was a two assist day as well so um, so yeah he he really is quite quite unique and yeah had had a had a different season to Erling Haaland but in the end actually only what nine points behind Haaland oh, yeah, that's pretty good going isn't it really considering that one ended the season almost a million pounds more expensive than the other Harry Kane. Um, yeah, finished the season with the same start with the same price as his starting price, which uh, yeah says perhaps how how unpopular he was, and he ends up being a bit of a differential really for us didn't he, towards the end of the year too. Um, best middle ground forward Andy again. This is probably the, the the category along with budget midfielder that we could have filled up multiple times, and there is a bit of deviation. Uh, In terms of where we're going with this. We've got the same three players, but in slightly different orders, I think. Uh, So I'll let you run through yours first. You've gone Gabriel Jesus uh, top of your list. And I guess for a player that's been that was injured for a fair chunk of the year, um, maybe a bit of a surprise.
1: Well, I think I'd almost—you've ha- got to put them in an order just on the way we've got the sheet, right? And I think I'd almost have them all equal. All of the people I've put out, I find it very difficult.
0: Definitely, to cigarette paper them.
1: between them, isn't it? It's very, yeah, yeah very tight. Yeah, Tighter because... than two coats of paint, as they say. Yeah, I mean maybe that's one of the most Essex things you ever said, uh, and I've heard you say it many times before. And um, just as another tangent, one of the most Essex things I've ever seen you wear is white jeans. That that is something that will live long in the in the memory, um bulging out of them. uh at, You should be know. grateful I didn't wear them to Eurovision, to be fair, because it would have gone down very well with the locals, I imagine. Well, why would I be grateful that you didn't though, if it would go down? Surely I'd want it to go down well with them. I'm sure you would
0: Uh, I'm sure you'd want it to go down well with you as well because I'm sure you know you're I know you secretly you're a big fan of them big fan of white jeans (laughs) the tighty whiteies.
1: I'm a fan of the uh, boldness and braveness the the lack of what other people think that you show to wear them and I'm I'm here for that and I wish I I, I, well not wish I, I should take some inspiration from from that do i like them per se no but middle ground forwards there are a few of them that i like yeah and one of them was gabriel jesus uh, he he's more so on there for his first half of the season again um i have definitely though i got i got burnt by him in in uh, a, a recent game week and um I, I, that I will be learning from that mistake because he was ultimately overperforming in that first half of the season, and he but he was just so highly owned that you almost had to have him, right? But he 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 still end up ultimately underperforming his XG again for the season, and he consistently does that. Um, there's no guarantee that Arsenal continue creating the number of chances they did this year, and even if they do, he doesn't score in the way in uh, at the rate that he should. Is is the bottom line? So. Um, fantastic first half of the season. Probably, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it was one of his best streaks ever, um, earning lots of people lots of points, and that's why he makes it kind of into, into this category here. But, but, but maybe not. I suppose you could about everyone we're about to mention. You could make the argument um, not a, a, a start to end full season of, of, of greatness.
0: Yeah. See, I think uh, that's where I would argue for for Ivan Tony if we were to rank them because I think that I think the difference between so I mean. Uh, of these, we've got Jesus, we've got Wilson, we've got Watkins, and we've got Tony, who I guess you can all place nicely in here. I would say that three of those are streaky, and one of them relies on penalties, but is a bit more consistent throughout the year. And I think that's Tony. And therefore, I just for, for almost the sheer virtue of the fact that he spreads his points out, um, I'd maybe put 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 Tony top. And I think that ultimately we, we... loves a, loves a good spread, doesn't he? Oh yeah, he probably does actually. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. So yeah, I think that's probably why I'd put him maybe above above the others. Um, having said that, it's a, it's a big if, but like if Callum Wilson continues, or can continue that form and can hold down that number nine spot in the Newcastle side, I think he'll be very appealing next year, even though there is going to be more rotation, um, but yeah, you know Newcastle with in theory is sort of infinite funds, you, you wouldn't be surprised if they'll be looking at an upgrade. Um, so, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting. But you know, if most of these sides are probably going to be looking at an upgrade. I don't even think Ollie Watkins is placed in the Aston Villa team is particularly safe next year. So, yeah, we could have have a whole host of, of new new forwards around this price category to be looking at. Um, and yeah, it will be it will be interesting. But I guess the other the other flip side, Andy, is that you know if we're still looking at, at Harland next year, he's going to be a lot more expensive, and Kane's going to be ever reliable. Whether he's at Tottenham or not, uh, he's going to be probably a bit more expensive as well. So you know maybe you could find a way to get both of those in and a cheaper forward rather than than someone in the middle ground, and maybe that would be. That will end up being the way to go. Maybe I'll uh, bring in uh, another another EFL newly promoted forward, although I can't think of exactly which one at the minute. I mean, I would certainly be relying on you for that, Burnley. Valtweghorst. Valtweghorst. Yeah, I think uh, I think company said something quite interesting this week. That it was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't, it was along the lines of he won't be playing for Burnley ever again, which I think was uh, was was quite interesting.
1: Um, that's I mean, what, was, what was useful about Wilson Watkins Tony by the way this season was that like they had different they had good fixture runs at different times and also, you could also, swap them out, couldn't you? Yeah, what coincided with their good fixture runs was they all produced good underlying numbers at points, and yeah, they kind of all that because they're all at this similar price point. We kind of say at the start of the season often don't we or whenever there's wild cards that having that having thinking about flexibility without having to move cash around is always helpful and this sort of spot with jay zeus wilson watkins tony throughout the season was like perfect for that there was always someone to kind of move around in there and and I, i think pick pick across those four across the season i picked up quite a few points by being on the right one at the right time and that that's proved useful
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Let's finish then with our best budget forward uh, category. They are priced or starting price was between four and a half and six and a half million. And although Andy has again refused to write this one down, I think he's going to agree with me that Alexander Mitrovic deserves uh, to, to Deserves to kind of be top of top of this category. Um, ultimately, I guess a slightly stop-start season Andy in terms of injuries and and, and suspensions to, towards the end of the year. Um, but he was far and away the best budget forward at the start of the season, and we shouldn't forget that. And he, he even showed glimpses towards the end of the year um, after he come back from suspension to to sort of justify his. His, his his price ultimately, and the fact that he is he is a, a very good Premier League forward. If only he could uh, he could not get sent off, and if only he could take a penalty, um, he'd almost be the complete package, really, wouldn't he?
1: Yeah, I suppose I think uh, another record this season. No, no players ever missed four penalties in a Premier League season until Mitrovic this year. Um, Just don't but... give them to him. I mean, I know I, I know it must be
0: very intimidating to wrestle the ball off him, and I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, back when we used to play wouldn't we want to, to wrestle the ball off you and you were significantly less threatening than Alexander Mitrovic
1: but I mean you also didn't miss so the, the, there's that to it as well right uh, I mean um, yeah <laughs> yeah look ultimately you it's got to the point now where going into next season you will have to you will have to take it into account and I mean do I but, Look, push a referee, get suspended for eight games, fully deserved, arguably should have had more. You're never going to be in in Andy Kay's good books if you push a referee. So um, again, his temper is something that you do have to, I remember we, we, at least one, if not more than one conversation where we were worried about Mitrovic uh, suspensions for bookings even weren't we at at points during the season. So um, yeah, you have to take that into account when it comes to uh, your FPL assets.
0: I think it'll be interesting
1: to see what what
0: price he ends up at, at next year because uh, yeah, if he's six and a half million million again, you could definitely be tempted by by him at the start of the season. Um, and he's got Evan Ferguson written down here, which I think is, uh, is, is 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 great, an interesting move I think for for this team of the year, but. Maybe a bit more of a projection, Andy, because I think he could be really, really interesting going forward. um it, again, will he be at four and a half million next year? unlikely, but you could definitely see him at sort of five and a half and yeah, I mean, we might expect a bit of fall off from Brighton, but this this kid is is class, um, and yeah, could be could be a really interesting pick. And yeah, I've included Eddie Inkettia in mine just just for that streak, really, just for the streak when Gabriel Jesus was out. Without, I think uh, we were both both on the Enketia train, and uh, I'm very glad that I was. And yeah, a little a little nice place in my uh, in my 20 22 23 season hearts for. For, for super eddie and katia
1: yeah i have to say i agree with that and i think far more deserving of the evan ferguson shout from me because that is very much projection and even then bad projection because they've signed a 30 million pound forward so i think there's still question marks over how I, I mean i hope he gets minutes i want to see him develop into a good striker but that mm, yeah you, brighton don't spend that type of money that often so you got to think he's first in the pecking order and is possibly part of De Zerbi's plans so that's a worry and ultimately eddie has done it this season like you say he had a streak which evan ferguson hasn't really had so um yeah nice little memory from the season that one for yeah. eddie
0: i like it i like it all right let's take a second break andy and then when we return we will be doing our individual teams of the season
2: here at the fpl lounge we are keen to hear from you you can join in the conversation on twitter or instagram at fpl underscore lounge We will preview every game week throughout the season, exploring options for your chips and transfers. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods so that you have all the information you need before the game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge.
0: Welcome back. Then, so our uh, our individual teams of the season. Uh, Andy, the rules for this is that we have a maximum budget of 83 million uh, based on individual players' starting price. Uh, I will let you. Go. No, I'll I'll go first, and there's a reason for that. Um, so I've gone with Jason Steele in goal, uh, back three of Kieran Trippier, Ben White, and Luke Shaw. Four in midfield of Gabriel Martinelli, Marcus Rashford, Bakaya Saka, and Karim Matoma, and then the front three of Harry Kane, Erling Haaland, and Ivan Toney. And then your uh, your team, Andy, is currently goalkeeperless, mate. And uh, again, not saying that you're stubborn about it, but you've refused to write one down. Well,
1: again, it wasn't refusing to write one. I mean, as, choosing, as... choosing not to, choosing not to have a goalkeeper yeah well in this instance less so choosing not to have one and more so struggling to decide really which one because it a bit felt like a bit of a much of a muchness i couldn't quite um so so, and i've got enough budget ultimately to to, i could pick any of them so i suppose just go allison because he got the most points if i'm trying to maximize my, my team but we didn't even include him in our in our shouts earlier and i think that was quite quite comprehensive through all the positions there for us so yeah i mean if you think there's anyone we missed out do let us know on uh, twitter or instagram at fpl underscore lounge but um, uh, yeah i guess some people might make an argument for Allison. i guess i'd have to just choose, choose one i guess i'd go raya i suppose because of the value thing or Steel, like you have because i mean yeah your keepers the pick, keeper you've put picked for team of season got like 60 points but I suppose if you look at it in a sense of points versus games actually played in yeah i can say i mean you know had you done it at the halfway point maybe that would be danny ward and not jason Steele. but um, yeah I, I just feel like danny ward was just never never the never the guy for me I can, yeah lots of doubles has helped because Brighton haven't actually kept that many clean sheets towards in the, the season but having doubles has has helped think, yeah which,
0: definitely. yeah and so, so you got save points along the way whereas uh, even uh, Danny Ward always felt like he was conceding too many goals just to to even get get any of them,
1: frankly. So actually, so yeah. it, what am I what am I what am I even? I mean, you just mentioned st- save points. Absolutely, Jason Steele's had save points. One crucial save point that got me into the top <laughs> ten thousand this season. Absolutely. So how have I not? That I mean, that's that's signed, sealed, delivered. He he's he's my goalkeeper. Uh, no, do you want to no run doubt. through
0: run through the rest of your team then for us, Andy?
1: Um, so the rest of my team, similar to similar to to Chris's, in fact, actually, I've got Trippier and Shaw in defense as he has, but uh, I've got Esther Pinyan rather than White. Um again, I suppose a second half of the season thing, he was his place was a bit more rotated under Potter, but but started more under under De Zerbi And yeah, looks looks good, doesn't he, in Brighton defense. Um uh not not as secure under Deserbi, but but still lots of doubles and and, and points for Estupinian. Um, I have also got three of the same midfielders in Martinelli, Saka, and Rashford, but I've gone for five in midfield, and I've also put in Odegaard. Not that I owned him at any point this season, but I just think the number of points he got for his his value um, can't can't be overlooked really. So he he ends up in the team this season. Um, along with Andreas Pereira are just, another, like I say, for me, a gift. And there was, it got to the point where I was, I mean, starting Andreas over other people because he was returning so consistently and because he was a nailed-on starter. So, um, yeah, he sneaks in there for me. And just just the two up top, two absolutely fantastic, incredible um, FPL assets. Two of the best FPL seasons we've ever seen, frankly, and that's, and that's Kane and Haaland. Um, I think... I haven't gone down the route like Chris, he's got Tony and I haven't had that third forward. I think if I could put a placeholder for third forward, that is a rotation of Tony Wilson Watkins, I would do that rather than having to name a specific one because i liked having that spot as i mentioned and it was useful to be able to kind of dip in and out of each of them throughout the season but i i, I couldn't nail my curse to the mask just for say the one like tony that chris has picked there
0: yeah absolutely makes makes sense i think that my main takeaway from this is is you know, last season we both used all 83 million and this year your 10 million shy and I'm nine million shy and it just speaks to the to, to the lack of premium options but also I guess the fact that Haaland was grossly underpriced at the start of the season. I think you know, we knew that even, even then. Um but yeah other than other than our, our two forwards Kane and Haaland who again have you know Haaland will be and Kane has been significantly more expensive previously um the most expensive player in our team is an eight million Bukayo Saka and that's relatively unheard of. I think in previous years we would have had maybe more than three premiums or if we only had two premiums our defense would have cost us a lot more than a combined 14 and a half million we'd have probably spent half of that on Trent. um so yeah i think that 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 kind of speaks to speaks to the underperforming um premiums in midfield and, and in defence this year and the fact that there have been so many so many more budget options um, which has allowed maybe for a bit more variance but also when there have been premium options I guess Trippier became one Kane and Haaland definitely were they were so highly owned that you didn't really benefit from owning them either really in terms of your rank and and, and your mini league so a yeah, slightly uh, weird FPL season uh,
1: in that sense but, uh, but yeah a, a productive one nonetheless I, leaves, I, oh, I, I vaguely remember us having similar if not identical was it teams at the start of the season um back in game week one and yeah because I've just gone back to have a look at mine and I've got Cancelo Trent and James uh in my in my squad so I mean they were all I think James was 6.5 was he but Trent was 7.5 and Cancelo was seven so that's 21 mil on three defenders right right there um uh, you know if anyone that we said earlier, didn't we, that the fact that they all fell off a cliff was surprising. If any one of them had just stayed consistent, that would have been a lot more of our budget spent this season, wouldn't it? And one last thing I suppose it's worth saying is for the, for those who haven't heard our end of year um, review shows before, we say 83 as our budget because uh, you obviously start with 100. We're using the starting prices here and that 17 mil gives you enough that you could still be able to have a bench uh, to to make up your squad like, a, like a, a normal player would have to. You can't have blank spaces.
0: Absolutely makes makes sense and and yeah I mean I don't know if you, if you were aware of this Andy but we did a we did an FPL lounge head to head league this year which oh, uh, which I guess is basically just us playing against each other each individual game week and, yeah. and and obviously you 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 won it um but yeah our first game week we got the same amount of points and our second game week we got the same amount of points I'm guessing we rolled. Uh, Guessing I guess we probably did end up with the same team in game week one and then probably rolled into game week two I'm and then have a look yes i did no transfers in game week two so i'm guessing so. that's i'm guessing that that's what we did and then and then yeah you started you got two more points than me in game week three and 20 more than me in game week four and then the rest as they say is is, is history so uh so so yeah we probably did um i guess there's always a danger in in, in this in doing this that there is a bit of group thing but at the same time one of the reasons why we do it is because we play the game in a similar way and it, we've kind of always got that shared interest so yeah it's always going to happen to some to some extent. Um, let's leave it there Andy but we've got one more thing to do and that's to unveil our FPL Lounge Player of the Season. A highly coveted award considerably more coveted than any other footballing award this season. Um, obviously our previous winners Andy were Harry Kane and Min Son. Oh, so has that been to- only to- ever Tottenham players have won this award?
1: More silverware from the FPL Lounge (laughs) than in
0: real life, but yes. And that feels surreal to think about, but there we go. Well, uh, you know, it's not Eric Dyer this year. Um, It's not uh, Diane Kulusevsky either. Um, We are going to give this uh, FPL Lounge award to to a debutant, first ever FPL season, first ever Premier League season and to say that they took to it like a duck to water would be a bit of an understatement Andy and uh, I guess this player needs no further introduction but either way I'll let you introduce them.
1: Well it is, uh, very unsurprisingly I'm sure to anyone, um, Erling Haaland and Chris and I are not the type of people to like to follow the trend, we um, if anything, that makes me particularly rail against wanting to give an award to someone just because everyone else is. Uh, however, he is undeniable. You, you, he has to win this this year. We were saying this before the season started, during the season multiple times. Um, the sheer number of goals, his roof season scored a ton of goals being an incredible player and FPL asset the um some like you said some are saying now look at the points between Kane and Haaland there's not much difference but Haaland didn't start every game Harry Kane did um and yes that comes into things as an FPL asset but um you know he can't ultimately affect that right and if Pep started him every week he'd have even more goals so um fully fully deserving Erling Haaland
0: yeah redefined essential I think this season is, is is the way I'd put it. Um, yeah, I think at times had an 84 percent ownership, and, and 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 that that did change the way many managers had to sort of play the game. Um, and I'm not sure for the better, to be honest. But still, uh, that just defines how good he was, and yeah, fully fully deserving of uh, of of his of his probably the most coveted award he will get this year, uh, the FPL Lounge Player of the Season award. We'll uh, we'll get it in a jiffy bag and get, whack it in the post to him let's leave it there then andy let's uh let's leave this end of year review show where it is but we've still got one more to go uh, but in the meantime how can our managers get in touch to tell us how wonderful their seasons were
1: they can find us on twitter or instagram at fpl underscore lounge and yes do list now we have one more uh season review show to go for the end of this season but um uh, so, so listen out for that. But also, yeah, just tell us how your seasons have gone and 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 whether you found the uh, what we do here useful, that would be or not. Uh, and anywhere we could improve, that would be that would be great to hear absolutely. And yeah, do also remember to rate
0: review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. It would be very, very helpful. and a nice end of season present for Andy and myself. Uh, we will be back then at some point next week with our second uh, end of season review show it's slightly more light-hearted we've got uh, some, some fpl lounge awards to hand out and we'll also have a reflection on our own seasons what we've learnt, and what we can think about ahead of the next fpl season when you join us back again in the lounge but andy until then thanks for joining us
1: in the fpl lounge